Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to consider how organizations and individuals can best chart a path towards diversity, equity, and inclusion in meaningful and world-changing ways. My guest this time is the super awesome Bobby Humes, Director of HR at the City of Seattle and Innovate Work West Coast event speaker. Bobby is an HR strategist and organizational change leader with extensive training and experience in HR project management, employee and labor relations, full life cycle talent management, employee training, and leadership development development and coaching. In his role, Bobby and his team support over 10,000 employees across 36 city departments in the greater Seattle area by providing HR products and services. He values inclusion and equity and believes that it is the work of all people to remove institutional and structural racism from the workplace. He believes that when we focus on removing racial injustice, the workplace becomes better for all people and organizations truly live out their missions and value. In addition, Bobby is a podcast host, and I'm going to be teasing him and asking questions about that for sure, because I'm always interested when I meet about a podcast host. Um, He holds a master's degree in human resources from Brandman University, is a US Army combat veteran, and he is married to the lovely Marissa and has five, count them everybody, five (laughs) boys. So he's a very, very busy, awesome dude. This podcast episode is sponsored by Virgin Pulse, the number one global employee well-being solution provider, supporting 7.5 million members in 20 languages across 190 countries. Virgin Pulse offers solutions that deliver on their home base for health vision of simplifying and unifying other point products into a better together ecosystem and transform the mental, physical, financial, social, community, and emotional health of organizations and their people. You can learn more at virginpulse.com. Bobby, welcome to the show today. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Okay. Firstly, tell, tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and uh, yeah. maybe maybe highlight a bit about your role at the, the City of Seattle. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to um, be, the for all intents and purposes, the Chief HR Officer at the City of Seattle. I'm, I'm a strategist by trade, I think. I, I, um, I've had opportunities to um, work in Governor Inslee's HR team and, and help build some, you know, statewide strategies. And um, that, that's really where I, I shine, um, taking a problem set and, and being able to help an organization um, uh, achieve some successes with that problem set and, and do it in a way that's sustainable um, and that's inclusive. And so coming to the city, it, it's just been a match of all those things. Um, really early on, I was at the city of Seattle um, D- Department of Parks and Recreation. And there our, our focus was in making sure that um, women and women of color in that organization had or have um, the ability to and opportunities to promote, um, to be included in leadership discussions and, and um, uh, opportunities and that kind of sort of created a brand, if you will, um, of you know the ability to actually move some things around diversity, equity, and inclusion in a very short time. And then, boom, here I am now in my current role. And our focus is just to broaden that scope, right? And I, I think 
that some folks have, you know, been aware that the Department of Justice has um, inquired about some of our trainings and, and, and what we do, and we're confident that um, what we do and how we do it is, is inclusive. It's engaging to the point where the uh, employee uh, desires their own, you know, self-engagement. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is steer people um, away from some some false ideas and narratives about um, where our country's fabric is truly sewn in this conversation around race and how it impacts our ability as a team to be successful. So right, right now, it, it's really about um, shoring up our ability to continue what we do and making sure that um, we're setting a, a high standard for um, diversity, equity, and inclusion that also equals to belonging, that people actually feel that they can be their whole self in an organization. I mean, imagine, if you will, days when you're not feeling well, like days when you're just not your best and you have a tough job and you have, you know, your uh, a mom or a dad or a spouse and you're trying to navigate all of that and still create value for your organization. Um, that's what racism is. Or that, that's, that's what um, a, a lack of true DEI is, is people working through a sickness. It's people working with, you know, um, se severe illness, um, and we don't have to do that. So our focus, our goal is to give everyone an opportunity to truly belong so that they're not working through sickness, that they're not working through a cloud of being othered, and they can be their full self and bring those full value to the communities that we serve. And you and your team, you support over 10,000 employees across 36 city departments in the greater Seattle area. And you provide HR products and, and, and services. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a huge number. But what does that entail, Bobby? And, and what are some of the challenges that go along with that? Yeah, we're talking about a massive enterprise system, right? And so um, there are 350 plus HR folks scattered all across the, the city in various departments and HR teams. So it's a, it's a federated model, right? And what we have to do, our challenge is to really truly create a winning franchise model that centrally we can provide those products and services um, in a minimum viable product, if you will, and test it and make sure that it's really what the client downstream needs and then engage our HR partners to adopt and scale that. And then uh, the, the fun part is navigating accountability. Everybody, you know, talks about accountability as something that they want to see. Um, but when you actually have to, uh, navigate it to make sure that it's actually happening. That, that, that's a challenge. And, and how do you share space and leadership with folks, um, knowing that the outcomes you want them to adopt are best for their clients and best for them? Um, it's that balance. And it's also, you know, moving a public sector organization from the HR space away from um, personnel, right? These are, these are connotations in the lifespan of the HR body within Seattle that we have to realize we were personnel, we're still sort of there, we're still got some transactional happening. We wanna move into people and culture. But before we can even do that, that's like the Jedi space, Bill, we gotta focus on being great HR consultants. We've gotta focus on understanding the business from a point where we're not passive. Yes, there will always be a part of the HR practice, that is putting out fires because we're dealing with the human experience in a workplace connotation. But how do we become strategists and consultants and path seers and seekers 
for our clients to help them navigate the things that are impacting their business or that they want to scale within their business, not just the things that aren't working. What are the things that are working, and how do we, how do we make more of that? Um, that's sort of what we're trying to do right now is not only establish a, that franchise model where, yeah, it's going to feel a little bit different in your organization because your outputs to community are a little different, but how does it resonate with what we're doing centrally and what your family, HR family across the city is experiencing in their organization? And then how do we mature the practice of HR to truly be um, a, a confident HR business partner? Now that you and I, we got introduced to each other through the awesome Matt Burns. And uh, Matt Burns yeah. has been, he's a good bloke. And he's been hosting our Innovate Work yeah. Vancouver events for the last sort of two years, okay? And uh, obviously yeah. due, due to the pandemic, we've, we've, we've gone online, we're doing virtual events. And this has given us an opportunity to to going to new places. And uh, so mm. our, our next event, it, it's a West Coast event. It's branded as West Coast. And we've still got some folk who are going to be speaking who are based in, in Vancouver and Victoria and other places in BC. But the host city yeah. for this one is is Seattle. And I, and I said to Matt, Matt, hey. who do you know who's, who's super awesome in Seattle? And he's like, well, Bobby, <laughs> obviously. Bobby, isn't it? So um, you, you're going to be you're going to be talking on, on the 28th of October, and your session is called Bridging yeah. Equity, uh, DI, and the Collective Benefit of Belonging. Can, can you offer an overview uh, of the session and, and as part of that, just spell out just why DI is so important in our current context and beyond? Yeah, I want to I want to lead us in a I hope what is a thought provoking discussion. You know, more more on the idea that, you know, there are places where we've invested a lot in DEI, uh, both financially and emotionally, but seldom um, see some of the outcomes that we want to see, and why is that? And so in, in, in the talk, we'll, we'll be focused on the why. Like DEI is sort of a ladder. I had um, a, a very um, – I don't think there are any experts in, in this space. I think all of us are continuing to do work, but I had someone who's been doing a lot of work for a long time um, tell me that you can't do the E without doing the D, and you can't imagine the Y if you don't have what the E is supposed to bring, right? Like, these are ladders. You know, the, the D, E, and I are not like we're going to do them all in, in, in one drop. And I think we don't understand even necessarily not only are there levels to uh, actually achieving DEI, um, there's reasons why we need DEI in the first place. Like we, um, there's a, there's a, this cultural phenomenon, if you will, where we're arguing if, if racism, it doesn't have an impact on communities of color. Like we're, we're, we're arguing that. Um, at the same time, we have the CDC saying that racism is a public health crisis. And, and, and so we, we have to understand like, and acknowledge the, the, the history of race in our country um, and, and do so in a way that, that truly speaks to the narrative of lived experiences of people of color, of women, of people in the LGBT, LBGTQ community, of disabled people, of women, um, of people who just haven't had the opportunities because of- My apologies, I couldn't hear what Siri, uh, because of the, because of systems and processes and organizations and life that hasn't allowed them the opportunity to truly be themselves. And so once we know those things in this talk, we'll talk about what some of those things are, some of those systemic barriers. I mean, when we talk about 
race and we bring it down to the ground level, what does that mean in healthcare? What does it mean in housing, education, um, you know, p- policing, uh, the criminal justice uh, field, like all of these different layers of experience that folks bring with them into the workplace. And so how do workplaces further do no harm and further acknowledge the systems in which they are placed um, and, and how they can be catalysts for change? I think ultimately, we all want the same thing. And that sounds almost cliche, but it's such a powerful notion if we truly think about it. We love to travel. I mean, you mentioned some of the countries um, that your or, or, or that the, the Innovate work, um, like where it's been and like who it touches. Those are all places, most of the places I've been that I would love to go to. And when you go to a new country, you want to um, sort of gather every part of what is innate in that culture, what's special about that culture, you, you want to experience it. And you can truly never really experience it um, because you don't live there. You, you'll be going home and getting back into the muscle memory of your own culture. But there's an appreciation when, when you travel, you would never go to Hawaii and not let them put the lay on you. Like you wouldn't let that happen because that's a part of what it means to travel as a tourist to that country. But we're not as excited about the individual and the culture that helps them thrive or their understanding or framing of the world that's necessary for you to relate to them. We never see, well, we we seldom see, excuse me, the thread to their efficacy, their ability to truly um, bring their best to every project because we haven't necessarily made it safe for them to truly be everything of of who they are. So in a sense, we we have this ability, we we know how to, engulf ourselves, immerse ourselves in another culture, but we don't know how to um, be culturally competent um, with other people. It's sort of this, 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 this balance that we have to, to uh, work through. But if we sort of understand these things, we understand that there are uh, systems that are um, sort of held down by oppression, which is stemmed through racism, and then there's further lack of acknowledgement of people's culture in a lot of our organizations, we can start seeing threads that we all, that all, that resonate with, with all of us, right? We, we all want to be our full selves. We all want to have opportunity that's not based on anything other than our, um, our abilities. And we, organizations have to turn inward to make these things possible because it's just not a full trait that we all have right now. Okay, well let, let's let's delve into that a little bit more. And as part of your your description for the for the topic that you're going to be speaking about at, at Innovate Work West Coast, you 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 make the statement that DEI programs often fail to make workplaces better for for people of color. Why why do you believe that's the case right now? And is is there hope that it's going to change anytime soon? Yeah, I'll start with the second question. I believe there's hope that it can change. I do. I, I think that um, there are other folks having these same conversations about, you know, do we truly mean what we say when we mean DEI? You know, I, I think the reason why it doesn't work is because I think we make gestures to DEI. I think we respond to DEI much like um, the world might respond to, you know, the, the unfortunate um and systemic like murder of black people i i think that we feel it for a time 
I think we bring the notion of injustice uh, to the table. We sit with it as long as we can possibly bear it. And then we acknowledge like what that injustice does and then we move on. And I, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a, uh, a trait of our society. We just can't sit with heavy things for a long time. That's just not something that we just do as a populace. But we have to get better at these things because that's where it fails. If, if the energy within your employees is, um, I often hear uh, uh, clients talk about their employees uh, behaving like activists, right? Like, well, they, you know, they're just really angry about this 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 thing and then as you as you break down what the employee is, is angry about it's usually something that the organization has told the the employee that is going to happen and hasn't made good on that i don't know anybody whether you're an activist or you're a strategist or you're you know whatever i think everyone is going to want follow through on a, a commitment from their organization um gestures like what some organizations did with Juneteenth here in the States and giving people that day off in some places, making them take the, the day off without actually paying them for it. And then why, like what's the why behind it? And to what end are we doing these things? These gestures may seem right in the moment, but they fall short of actually having contextual conversations and strategy and outcome to actually live out D, E, and I, individual, to their collective def definitions and purposes. And, and this is sort of where the, 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 the challenge is. It has to be more than a nice to have. It has to be the way by which we're doing business. Like it can't be a, 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 a set aside. I mean, for us to think about why DEI fails, let's look at the, the relationship between DEI and, and HR, like across the last 20 years. Um, only now uh, are we starting to see those gaps being bridged and for DEI and HR to be living sort of in the same spaces. Um, the, that structural miss is one of the reasons why DEI isn't as effective as it could be today. Okay. So um, I always try not to be political, try to be apolitical on, on, on this show, um, but we're going to be releasing <laughs> this episode just before the, the, the elections on November 3rd. Uh, Bobby, I, I don't know how much you can yeah. say, because you are a government employee, but I can certainly say uh, for 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 our listeners out there, and it's very important, get out there and vote because you 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 can make a difference this time, and it's probably never been yeah. more important. As someone who lives in the rest of the world, and we watch what's going on mm. in the US right now, I, I would encourage you strongly to get out there and vote and make a difference. Um, Bobby, we we're coming towards the end of this interview already. Uh, two more questions for you. I understand that you have a podcast okay. as well, sir. Um, I yes. I want to know about it. I, I, it's one of my passions. Tell me all about it. Uh, why yeah. is it awesome? And and listeners, I've really I've, I've I've tapped Bobby up before this show um, to to be a guest on his podcast <laughs> as well. By the way, yes. <laughs> Tell us all about it, Bobby. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'll start by uh, echoing everyone to get out and vote. Please, you know. Please, please, please go out and uh, vote. But um, yeah, Bill, uh, the Royal Fade Podcast, um, spelled just like it sounds, the Royal Fade Podcast. We're entering um, our third season, myself and my co-host, um, uh, Jimmy Brown of AIP Consulting. Um, this is separate from my role at the city. 
Um, just something that he and I started years ago on a whim that, hey, we, I think we are smart enough and wise enough to impart some wisdom to some people, and let's see if it works. And um, it initially started with focusing on um, supporting leaders in the education space to making sure that they saw all their kids um, in the classroom, making sure also that we, we were giving them what we call game. Uh, helping them break down some of the nuances of culture so that they could better relate and more um, re relate more um, authentically with their with their kids in their classroom. And so we, we talk about things that are happening in Black culture. We talk about um, we in you know past seasons we had what we call the top five, where we would just talk about the top five things that were really either ex exciting us or or bogging us down or um, you know, it's, it's been a really fun show, and we've been switching up our platforms every season. This season, we're going to focus on a segment called Family Finances and Fitness um, and really talk to the leader about, in the time of COVID especially, you know, how can you best take care of yourself, um, you know, looking at our market um, and what it's telling us and ways that you can invest, um, and also thinking about your, your family and setting a vision for your family so that they, they can truly thrive in, this, in these very uncertain times. And so, Really excited for our third season. We're going to have a bunch of awesome guest hosts. You don't want to miss out on this. And I think one of them is going to be um, Bill Bannon. Um, definitely going to be one of our, our guests. Yeah. And we're going to talk about <laughs> some things and what it looks like to, I can already see a, a bunch of different ideas, but I, I would love to, to have you on and we can talk about some of your story and, um, and the things to come. As the cool kids say, Bobby, a hundo P. I'm, I'm in, my friend. I'm in. Um, okay, so that just leads <laughs> me to say, <laughs> finally, how, how can our listeners uh, connect with you? Is, is that through LinkedIn? You're so cool. You're probably on TikTok. What about Twitter? Where, where else can, I, can I, I'm not, man. I'm I'm not on social media. The only social media you can probably like find me being relevant and actually like engaging is on LinkedIn. And the name is Bobby with a Y, Humes, H-U-M-E-S. Let's connect, let's talk, let's exchange ideas right now. I'm focusing on COVID being a mentor. So I'm, I'm mentoring a lot of people from all different backgrounds, from all different parts of the world. And I love it. I'm just, I'm not, I don't have any magic, you know, pill or anything. I'm just answering questions and being a support. I think people need that right now. I'm just trying to do my best from my home to, to be a bridge builder. So definitely check me out there. And uh, I'm in VR. So if you're in alt space, just look, look me up, uh, Bobby Humes. Um, in Altspace VR, so hope hope to see you there. Awesome. Well, that just leads me to say, Bobby Humes, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. My pleasure, Bill. We'll see you soon. And listeners, as always, until next time, stay safe and happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.